Hi everybody, today's episode of Hacker Public Radio um, has been bumped to the top of the queue because I feel the information in it is something that should be uh, released to people ASAP. I'd like to um, send apologies to JWP, Tlatu and Pokey who have had shows ahead of uh, today's show. Hey everyone, this is Jane Doc. I'm recording an episode today about influenza. Influenza is a timely topic this time of year. It, it's December, we're around the Christmas holiday, and it's also the winter time in the United States. And this is the time of year where we see a lot of influenza cases. Uh, before I get into the flu, I wanted to give an update uh, from my previous episode that I record, recorded. That was an episode about electronic medical records. Um, I am still in private practice. I am a medical doctor. I'm in private practice. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I was really researching this whole EMR idea uh, enthusiastically. And we haven't bought an EMR system in our office. Uh, for one thing, my uh, senior partner just refuses to do anything electronic. She won't even do electronic prescribing, and which the rest of us do. Uh, but also, it remains kind of costly. Uh, we would have to put up quite a bit of money uh, to get a system going. Um, a year and a half ago, I estimated it would cost roughly $300,000 to get a system in place uh, for my practice. I'm not sure it would be quite that much anymore. At the time, we had six providers, and I was estimating about uh, fifty or sixty thousand dollars per provider, averaging about three hundred thousand. It would probably be more in the range of one hundred fifty thousand dollars for an office my size, um, but that does not include the loss of productivity as we learn how to use this electronic medical record system uh, when you're spending so much time trying to get things filled out on the computer, it means that you can't see as many patients. And if you can't see as many patients, uh, your income goes down. So there's a lot to the economic reasons for getting electronic medical record. Uh, in the past year and a half, uh, the powers that be have been uh, establishing uh, what it means to have meaningful use and what it means for an electronic medical record system to be certified. I'm talking about the United States. And this regards the uh, stimulus package that was passed early in two 2009 to uh, repay doctors for getting an EMR system up in their office. Uh, right now, a physician, a primary care physician like me, can be reimbursed up to $65,000 uh, to put in an electronic medical record system. And the thinking was that this would help spur more primary care doctors to get EMRs in their office. Uh, but that is a reimbursement, and it's, it would be a reimbursement over like two or three years. 
and we just don't really have the money to get a, a system in place so it hasn't really happened in the meantime uh, my office will probably be transitioning into um, from private practice to being employed physicians so uh, we will work for the local community hospital and which is owned by a national corporation the national corporation has uh, electronic medical records in all of its outpatient clinics now and I, I believe they use uh, Athena Health I've not really looked at Athena Health, but if I'm an employee and that's what my boss wants me to do, then that's what I'll do. So let's go on to influenza. Doctors care so much about influenza because for one thing, it causes a lot of people to get sick. It causes a lot of morbidity. In addition, it causes a lot of people to die. It causes a great deal of mortality. In the United States, on average, it causes about 36,000 deaths um, per year. There are higher risk populations that are more likely to die of influenza. Those include the elderly. Uh, the elderly can't mount um, a robust immune response. They're, they're, just, they're just not as strong as uh, children and young adults. And also, uh, the elderly tend to be not as strong as young adults and children, so they, they are more likely to get pneumonia. It's harder for them to cough out any obstruction in their airway, and, and it's just much harder for the elderly. Influenza also hits young children much harder. This is um, something that I'm especially interested in. Uh, if a young infant, let, let's say like a two-week-old little baby, gets influenza, their, their chest isn't quite as strong. All of the, the tubes in their airways are very narrow and they get clogged real easily. And, and so small infants are, are more likely to die of the flu. Also those with uh, certain chronic medical illnesses such as diabetes, heart disease, uh, neuromuscular disorders such as muscular dystrophy and cerebral palsy again because they're just not quite as strong and they succumb to influenza a lot more easily I want to go over the biology of the flu this is in, in more detail than I usually do for my patients but Hacker Public Radio I'm sure would be interested in this uh, influenza is a virus. It is not a bacteria. It's a virus. It has a lipid outer envelope. There are uh, two important envelope glycoproteins. So these are proteins that float around in the envelope. Uh, hemagglutinin and neuroaminidase, that is the H and the N. Hemagglutinin is especially important to doctors because our, our, our body's immune system attacks the hemagglutinin. That's how our, we get our antibody response and the vaccine um, also produces that antibody response to the hemagglutinin. There are uh, 15 hemagglutinin proteins out there and there are nine neuroaminidase and so you might have a different combination of H and N. The one that got everyone's attention in 2009 was the H1N1 uh, flu pandemic and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, influenza has an RNA genome. It has 11 genes on eight RNA segments. And the influenza virus, the 
RNA polymerase lacks a proofreading mechanism, so mutations occur frequently. And uh, genetic mutations occur especially frequently on the hemagglutinin, which is why you have to get a new flu shot every single year. When influenza attacks a person, it attacks the cells that line the respiratory system. The RNA gets into the epithelial cell of the respiratory tract. It is transcribed in the nucleus. Uh, this causes desquamation of the epithelial layer. And so it kind of produces a lot of goo inside the lungs. It's important to be able to cough that out. Influenza comes in a season uh, when the air is cold and dry because that's the flu virus attacks the cells more readily than, and influenza is very contagious. It's one of the more contagious viruses out there. And during the H1N1 uh, epidemic last year, there was a lot of emphasis on washing your hands, on if you cough, you cover your cough with your sleeve because if you have the flu and you're shedding virus out of your respiratory system, these viral particles actually float in the air. It's a small particle aerosol, and so it's very easy to infect other people. Uh, the treatment for influenza, now there's a, a couple of ways of looking at the treatment. Uh, the first is symptomatic care, and when doctors talk about symptomatic care, that means if you have a sore throat, then you take uh, ibuprofen or Tylenol uh, to, to help the pain of the sore throat. If your muscle, muscles ache, ibuprofen or Tylenol is good for that too. You can get dehydrated very easily when you have the flu, so you got to drink lots of fluids. If you're producing a whole bunch of mucus, then you just get dried out real easily. So you got to drink lots of fluids. It's very important. And also just to rest. Just go to bed. Your body is fighting very hard to kill off this virus. So just lie down and put all of your energies into uh, fighting off this virus. There are two medicines available. These are antivirals. Uh, specifically, they, um, uh, they inhibit the neuroaminidase. They are neuroaminidase inhibitors. One is called Relenza, that's the brand name. The other one is called Tamiflu, that's the brand name for that as well. Uh, the trick to taking Tamiflu or Relenza is you have to take it really within the first 24 hours of getting symptoms. And um, I, you know, one to two days of getting the symptoms. If you're on day three or four of your symptoms and you go to your doctor and you ask for these, it's really not going to do any good. Uh, plus, I have seen Tamiflu have some significant gastrointestinal side effects. Uh, one of my colleagues had the flu last year before she was able to get the vaccine, and she took Tamiflu, and she had a lot of nausea. She actually had to stop. Tamiflu is supposed to be taken for five days. She took it for like three days. She just couldn't handle it. So these are not easy medications to take. If you get... Uh, uh, an overlying bacterial infection on top of your influenza, then you would need antibiotics. So if, if uh, you get bacteria that invade your lungs and you get a pneumonia, then uh, you'll have to take antibiotics for that. And what I recommend to people is if, um, if you're a, a healthy person and you get the flu symptoms, which are 
first, a fever, and this is a fever greater than 101. Um, typically with influenza you can get fevers 102, 103, or even 104, and this is Fahrenheit. Uh, you get a huge amount of nasal congestion and mucus production in your nose. And so you're blowing your nose a lot. You get a cough. Um, the influenza attacks the cells of your respiratory system, and you got to cough that stuff out. Um, cough suppressants, you can take those if it makes you feel better, but you really don't want to get yourself too doped up because you need that cough to get that stuff out of your lungs. <clears throat> what sets influenza apart from your standard respiratory viruses is how bad it makes you feel. You just feel terrible. You can't do anything. You can't even get out of bed. I had, uh, the last time I had the flu was uh, when I was an intern. This is about 10 years ago. And it, it was my intern year. I was working hard. I was in a children's hospital. I had my face in many, many ill children. And even though I got the flu shot that year, I still came down with uh, the flu, or I'm assuming it was, it was the flu. I never actually confirmed it. But I was in bed for four days. I had fever. I had muscle aches. I had a horrible cough. And it was terrible. And I really didn't recover for two or three weeks. It really takes a lot out of you. And for most people who get the flu, I mean, most listeners of Hacker Public Radio are young, healthy adults. If you get the flu, you're not going to die. I mean, more likely than not. But you lose a week of your life. That's a week that you really can't do anything else because you're too sick. So uh, influenza is something that you should take seriously. I take it very, very seriously. So at this point, let's talk about the flu virus or the flu vaccine. There are two types of vaccine. One is the injectable vaccine and the other is a nasal mist. It's called flu mist. Because influenza changes so frequently, a different vaccine has to be developed every year. The way that I understand this, now I'm not an infectious disease expert and I am not especially a virology expert. I'm not a virologist. Uh, but from what I understand, there are experts at the World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention here in the United States, and, and other groups around the world, and they meet, and they have to decide which of the three strains are going to be put in this year's flu vaccine. This is usually done about in, in March. They have to look at what the flu is doing in Asia, because usually the flu starts in Asia. They choose two influenza A strains and one influenza B strain. What happened last year was that the three influenza strains were decided in March, and then in April, H1N1 came out, and this was something totally new and unexpected. And so in addition to the regular flu vaccine that was being produced, uh, they had to hurry up and get the H1N1 vaccine out as well because they knew that a lot of people would get sick from the H1N1. It was actually very scary. At the beginning of uh, the 2009 flu season, we really didn't know what was going to happen. Every doctor learns about the 1918 influenza pandemic, which killed many millions of people around the world. 
and we just didn't know if H1N1 would be on that scale where you know, every family in the United States would have someone become very, very ill or even die from this from this virus. As it turns out, H1N1 was not as bad as a lot of us had feared. Um, we did have a lot of sick people, but in, in my clinic, we had very few hospitalizations from it, and none of my patients died from it. So we really dodged a bullet there. We really got lucky, and H1N1 uh, really wasn't as bad as, as we had thought. And the H1N1 vaccine actually worked quite well. To produce the influenza vaccine, this is an old, old technology. It was developed in the 1940s. It was developed by the U.S. military, and it involves in injecting the virus into chicken eggs, and then they develop the, the vaccine from that. So really rudimentary, old-fashioned vaccine technology. There just really hasn't been a reason to change the, vac the technology until last year. The, the trouble with using eggs is it takes about six months to make the vaccine. And when H1N1 came out, that vaccine took about six months. And so it slowed the process down quite a bit. The flu vaccine is the main way to prevent getting influenza. It is very effective. And you cannot get sick from the flu vaccine. I'm going to say this again. You cannot get sick from the flu vaccine, particularly the injectable form. Uh, the flu shot is a killed virus vaccine. You do not get the flu from the flu shot. The nasal spray is a live virus vaccine, so there is a theoretical risk of, of getting some flu symptoms from the flu mist. However, I've never really seen it happen. This isn't something that's that occurs a lot. So don't, I don't want anybody to be afraid of getting the flu vaccine. Um, it might make your arm a little bit sore and that's usually about the worst of it. The, the main way to prevent mortality, to prevent deaths from influenza is to vaccinate children. The reason is that children transmit this virus. Kids are just everywhere. They're always infecting each other and they they're going to infect the adults that they're around. And so if you have an elderly grandmother who visits your home, more, more than likely that elderly grandmother is going to uh, get the flu virus from their grandchild. It is recommended that the elderly get the flu vaccine. However, uh, the elderly really don't have a very robust immune system and so they don't respond very well to the flu shot. It's still a good idea to get, but if you really want to protect the, your elderly loved ones, get all the kids around you vaccinated because vaccines work a lot better in little kids. The flu mist, you have to be a healthy person. You're not supposed to have any kind of chronic medical diseases like asthma or uh, you know, heart disease. Uh, you have to be at least two years old to get it, and you can't be older than 50 years old. Those, those are the rules. Now, what I have found is that little kids, like two- and three-year-olds, they really don't like getting the flu mist. They, it really scares them, getting this syringe injected into their nose. They find it very unpleasant. For, so for little kids, two- and three-year-olds, you might want to just give them the shot because it's, frankly, just easier to hold their leg and give them the shot. That's been my personal experience. 
Um, I have myself taken the flu mist for the, about the past four or five years since it came out, and I haven't had influenza, e even with H1N1. I didn't catch H1N1. Uh, and part of that is probably luck, but I think a lot of that is because I'm pretty good about getting the flu vaccine uh, every year. It is covered with most insurance. Most insurance will pay for you, uh, will, will rather pay for the vaccine if you get it. And even if it doesn't and you can't get it for free, like at your employer, um, it costs about $25 if you go to Walgreens or Walmart, it's about 25 bucks. And I think that's a small price to pay uh, to avoid getting the flu. So to sum it up, uh, influenza, it's a very serious disease and it can kill you, so take it seriously. Don't ever turn your back on it and don't take it lightly. Uh, get, get yourself vaccinated, get the flu vaccine. That's the best way to protect yourself against the flu. And if you do catch the flu, despite all that, stay home, don't get out and transmit it to other people, go to bed, drink lots of fluids, take your Motrin and you should be fine. So stay healthy everyone, have a happy holidays, and until next time, this is Jane Doc. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.